Father in heaven, we're thankful to thee for blessing us, Lord, that we could be here in your house in this day. Lord, we're thankful for the fellowship that we can experience. We're thankful for the teaching that we can receive from your word. And in many ways, Lord, we're most thankful for the pause that we can take from the rest of this life and the activities of it, Lord, to be reminded of the truths in thy word and the love that you as a father have for us as your children. And pray, Lord, as we would look into your, into your word today, that we would find encouragement from it, that we could find the admonition that's necessary at times in our lives and the motivation and direction for our, our week to come. And so as we would look forward to that blessing, Lord, we'll give thee thanks for it and pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> as I was um, well preparing and thinking about the message this morning, I, I had... When I came out on a conviction, I, I said to Ashley, I said, this is going to be a little bit different than what has been my, my practice or my habit lately. Um, most of the time lately, the, the, the path has been that a scripture will come about and, and I would just expound on that particular scripture and, and not do too much jumping around. Usually a story or a, an experience dovetails into that, but... Rarely is it the thing that really starts the thought. Um, but a week ago, Saturday, I made an experience that I knew as soon as I saw it, I said to the kids, I said to Ashley, I said, That's, this is a sermon right here. Like I, I knew right away that that was a sermon experience. Um, because it's the kind of thing that sometimes you have an experience take place where immediately a verse comes to mind. And... This case, the case here was not just a, a verse came to mind, but multiple verses came to mind. Um, that's not to say that this will be the, you know, this may not be the most organized thought, but I'm, I'm doing my best to, to organize my thoughts here. I want to give you a, a visual as to what we experienced, and then what I've made a few observations on that, and then would like to look at some scriptures associated with it. Um, we went skiing. We, we go skiing often, but we went skiing at Gore two weeks, or not yesterday, but the week before. And if you've skied there before, that's a, that's a big mountain. Uh, I described it to the kids as, we just kept talking about it as the big mountain, because you can't see the bottom, or you can't see the top from the bottom, and you can't see the bottom from the top, and it's as close to Adirondack skiing as I've ever done. I've never skied whiteface. I know that that's even one step up, but I love going there just because of the beauty of the place and how impressive it is. And uh, it, I love skiing from one hill to another without ever going to the bottom. And I just had this expectation of this miraculous day of skiing. And no, this sermon is not going to be about how I didn't meet my expectations as far as what I was able to do skiing-wise. We, uh, Ashley, Ellie, and e Ashley, Ellie, Max, and I were skiing together. That's another cool part of Big Hills is they have quads, four people chairlifts. And so we're all able to sit on the chair at the same time. And as we're on the chair, we're going up um, a decent-sized hill, not a crazy hill, but a decent-sized hill, and in the distance, just getting off of the, the trail, or getting off the lift, I see a man with a harness, like, to teach somebody else to ski. And immediately, I start 
having like back pain because I remember how painful it was to teach kids to ski. And it's been a couple of years. I haven't, I actually, as I was thinking about this, I couldn't remember if I used a harness on Ethan or not. I know Ellie's saying no because she remembers everything. I don't think I used one on Ellie either. I used it on Max. And then I look at the person that is on the harness, and this is a big kid. I mean, this individual, this, this boy, is boy going on man. He's bigger than Ethan. And the guy that's on the harness, thankfully, is a big guy too. I mean, I, I say that. He's probably my size. But, okay, big guy. This guy is big, and the kid that's in front of him is real big. And immediately thoughts start going through my mind. Like, I'm actually ashamed to say one of my thoughts was, that is kind of embarrassing. Like, I didn't use a harness to teach my oldest, and he was a little younger, but like, I was 16 when I started to to ski. My dad didn't have a harness on me, but that's kind of the visual you have to imagine. It's like me at 16 having him hold me back, I'm going, this just looks weird. Um, The other thought that came to mind was, how silly do these people have to be to come to Gore, of all places, to teach a beginner how to ski? And not even just to teach a beginner, okay, you came to Gore, that's fine. But they have like magic carpets and, and other little spots that they could have taught this child, big child, to ski. And all of this is happening in about a five second moment. Because we get up to the top of the hill and start to look off, and I see that the, the harness that they have, is, it's reflective. I didn't realize it was reflective from a distance. And it says, blind skier. Now, I've been at lab before where there were, uh, you know, Arise um, Services does skiing for folks with developmental disabilities or disabilities in general. One of my best friends, his son, uh, is wheelchair bound and he's taking him snowboarding and and I thought so that that didn't surprise me but blind skier was another thing and at first I thought well maybe it's just um, you know visually impaired or whatever but immediately you got it was very clear it was very clear that this young man was I, I'm not trying to be crass or like he was very blind he could not see this this was not a function of just not being able to make things out. He, how do I know that? His, I'm going to say his dad, I don't know if it was his dad or not, but his guide, because the man had even a vest on that said guide, um, had a headset in his helmet. And the young man had a headset in his helmet as well. And as they're getting off the lift, because it took them a little while to get situated, and we were right behind him, um, you could hear the guide saying, left, left, a little more left. Okay, now we're going to go straight. Yep, we're going to go straight. Keep going. And now we're going to turn on your right. There's this or that. And it, it was just, it was amazing to see. It was just completely amazing to see. When we followed them on to the, to the lift at the bottom of the hill, um, when I really knew how visually impaired this young man was is kind of as opposed to how Labrador is or Song Mountain is where you know there's just somebody that checks your pass and you walk on they they have gates I mean most of you've been to the big mountains so they have gates with RFID chips uh, in your ski pass and you wave the pass and the, the gates open almost like you're at the airport 
And so this young man is, is shuffling up to the, to the gate, and his guide is telling him a little bit left, a little bit left. He, was always, he always wanted to go right, I think, was the, was the trouble. He always, I got a little left, a little left. And he, he, was, he was going straight at, at the barrier in between the two gates. I mean, something that at the front of this pulpit, that kind of a distance, he couldn't tell that he wasn't aligned correctly. Which, again, said to me, like, I cannot believe that this young man is on this hill and is doing this. And you know what? It, was, he, was he laying down and carving like he was going to do the giant slalom? No. But the way that they went down the hill was also not like the way that I taught Max to ski. Or I know or Jeremy's teaching his young ones to ski, and one of them in particular just wants to bomb and so they just lean against the harness and have dad hold them back the whole time. I had that experience with Max until at one point I just let him go and said, now you've got to figure out what this is like. But this young man was really doing, he was skiing. He was taking direction from the headset. When there was a little bit of a, you know, a scary part or something, you could see that the reins tightened up, or the, the leash tightened up, and he slowed down. But it, it just, it, it blew me away. It absolutely blew me away to, to think that somebody was, was skiing like that. And in the car, or I think it was even at lunchtime, I Googled blind skier, you know, real crass. Thing. And sure, there are, there are quite a few folks that ski that are either legally blind or, or um, visually impaired, and they have Special Olympics with folks that are blind that ski. But to the magnitude of this gentleman's or this young man's um, Limited sight. I just, I couldn't even appreciate or couldn't even imagine something like that. And so like I said to the family, I said, even sitting on the chairlift, I said, that's a sermon. Because so many things came to mind. And the first verse, the first verse that came to mind uh, is in Isaiah chapter 30. And it's one I quote all the time. Was the, the verse that says, uh, verse 21. And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee saying, this is the way, walk ye in it, when you turn to the right hand or when you turn to the left. And almost as if, and you'll see this, it's kind of amazing how Isaiah, uh, maybe, there was, <clears throat> maybe there was some kind of blindness that he had either experienced or uh, appreciated. Verse, uh, chapter 41, verse 13. For I, the Lord, for, I the Lord, for I the Lord thy God will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not. I will help thee. The question that I, I, I <clears throat> excuse me, the, the thought that came to mind was making observations on this experience and, and in light of some of these scriptures, I wanted to, to throw some questions out there. And the first question that came to mind was putting myself in this young man's skis. Do I trust God like that? Do I trust God like the guide that this young man was listening to? When you're not able to see the, the, the distance in front of you, in our case, in our lives, it's the future, right? We don't know exactly what lies around the next corner. We don't know what is on the horizon 
And so we listen to the Lord to give us direction. We give the Lord, listen to the Lord to give us instruction, admonition, encouragement. And then we step off into the distance in front of us. It takes an action for us to do that, though. It takes, a, it takes an effort for me to take that step. In this young man's case, it's skiing, right? You, you start to ski. You know how to stop yourself, but you don't know what's in front of you. He didn't know. It's, it's much the same as watching Ashley's face on some of these hills that she'd not skied before. And it says, this is probably a better, another good example, it says it's an easy hill. If you ski Gore Sunway, it's an easy hill. You can, it's, I don't know how many miles long, but you can ski forever. Sometimes it takes forever because some of it's cross country, but you can ski forever on this hill. And just as you get off the gondola and come around this corner for the first turn is a sheer drop cliff drop off. And her face, she's mouthing it now too, it's watching Max in particular come around this corner. It's very gradual slope. But the edge of the hill is not a gradual slope. And somebody that has full control of her faculties and full control of her skis is reacting to this thing that she sees in front of her, yelling, Max, get over here! Max, get over here! Like, get him to the inside. And the rule for Max for the rest of the day was, hug the inside of the hill. Don't go anywhere near the edge of the hill. Didn't matter how smooth and slow and, frankly, boring at sometimes that hill is, the edges of it were really scary. But this young man, in one way, did not have the curse of having to be nervous about that because he couldn't see the edge of the hill. So the trust for him was either, I either trust, or excuse me, in my mind's eye, I either believe that everything in front of me is the edge of the hill or that the person directing my path is not going to let me get anywhere near that. The person directing my path is going to speak directions into my life speak a path for my feet to take that will not allow me to get into those messy areas. And I had to think, you know, do I trust God like that? My trouble is I'm reacting much the way that my wife does at times, not at times, just on that last Saturday, looking at the things around me going, oh my goodness, this is so scary, I need to make a course correction. Even though... God is saying, I, I've got this. I've got you. I'm telling you exactly where to go. And I think we can all testify to that at times. Like we, we know what the voice feels like. And when we were younger, we probably often felt at times, I, I mean, I, I know that I can say that I felt this at times, where God was even directing my shoulders in certain ways of the walk. That even when he said, I want you to go here, and in case you still started looking over to the side, he kind of pushed your shoulders back and said, no, this is really where I want you. That the direction from the Lord was that specific and that powerful and that impactful in my life. But as is the case, and I think as is the case for all of us, as we grow, as we get more comfortable, as we get more experienced, we... We still hear the direction, we still take the direction, but the feel of the harness, the feel of the reins, is, is not there as much. We don't need it. On a positive side, God has seen our ability to ski. Boy, I never thought I would do that, but I'm, I got a skiing analogy and a spiritual one. God has seen our ability to ski and is, has 
seen the growth that we've made and is allowing us more, more leash. The question is, when we get more leash, do we still keep listening to the directions? When we get a little bit more freedom, do we still keep listening to the directions, the voice behind us saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. This is the path that I want you to take. This is, there, there is a cliff over there. You can't see it. Or even if you can see it, you don't need to be worried about it necessarily because you're listening to me. But I think we can also all, as, as we've walked with the Lord, I can say it's happened to me not even that long ago that you feel the, there's a rain that gets pulled away. Listen, you're, you weren't paying attention. I need to pull on this now. I need to yank back a little bit. God's saying. You're not ready to ski that hill. Just You may think so. You may, you may feel that you have grown to the point where you can do this. And I'm telling you that there is a cliff there that you have to be careful of, and I want to pull back on it. Another observation. I wanted to go back and, and talk about this piece that my first reaction when I saw this thing, this spectacle, that's a bad way to say it, this nice spectacle, and my reaction was, boy, that's kind of embarrassing. Um... I would propose that in this world, and even in our lives sometimes, even in a believer's life sometimes, there, we make experiences that we would sometimes view, view the reins, and believe me, I'll, I'll clarify more on the reins in a second. We view the reins, or if maybe I, I can say even the restrictions, the um, intense direction that we get as is embarrassing. Uh, that's, it's sad. I wouldn't say, I'm sure that's not the case for, for most of our lives, most of the time, maybe even just a fleeting second. But when I, when I would explain, um, not even have to explain, when somebody views a Christian's walk in a cynical way in this world, all the things you're not allowed to do, all the places you can't go, all the things that are not right, unclean, you know, not edifying. When somebody else looks into our world, even as a kid, as other children observe my life or what, you know, I explained as what, what my family did, they would say, I can't believe you can't do this and I can't believe you can't do that and can't believe you can't go there. And viewing those reins... As, as, as embarrassing or something like that. And so as a kid, I mean, I didn't pull super hard on them. Some pull harder than others. Even in our house, some pull harder than others. But we pull against the reins, and we, pull, we know what they're there for. As a child, growing up in a, in a Christian home, in a faith-filled home, we know what the, what the reins were for. We knew what they were there for, what the guiding, you know, the barriers on the side, the guidelines, whatever you want to call them. But we want to pu- push the envelope. We wanted to pull against them and see how far we could go and how much we could get away with. And there are times, I would propose, as a believer, 
Whereas the Lord is giving us, you know, Thessalonians wouldn't talk about quenching the Spirit and tempting the Spirit and all of those kind of things if this wasn't true. So there are those experiences and times in our lives where we pull against the reins of what God is trying to lead us toward. He's saying, this is what I want you to do. He's providing a path for us. He is the voice behind us saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. And we are going to the left. We're going to the right. Let's use that example. Where the young man with the headset and the guide is saying, left, got to go a little left. I need you to go a little left. And we are just pulling, pulling, pulling to the right. And what we can't see is that there's a beam or a bar or a barrier right in front of us that we're about to bang our face off of. And the guide is telling us, I need you to go to the left. I need you to go to the left. I need you to go to the left. But we're not paying attention. And eventually we're going to bang into that thing. Now, to stay with the analogy and make sure we cover the details, saying that we have these reins upon us would lead some to say, well, then God's never going to let go of us. God's never going to just let us bomb off the side of a cliff and let go of the reins. That is absolutely true. God will never let go of the reins. But to complete the analogy... There are time, if we stress the reins too much, if we pull against them too much, every rope, every strap, every restraint device has some kind of limit. His grip has no limit. But as we use the other analogy, you can't pluck us, nothing can pluck us out of the hand of God, but we can jump. Nothing can break the grip that God has on us, but we can break the reins. And the question that, that we have to ask ourselves, that because we're following this analogy, is am I, how hard am I pulling? Am I pulling? Why am I pulling? I think it's Lulu right now that's the one that might be pulling on the reins when Jeremy's skiing with, with her. I'm sorry. I hope I don't embarrass her. But he, he said that she, she likes to just lean in and, and push as hard as she can and is hoping Daddy will just hold her back, and that's how she's learning to ski. From experience, that's exactly what Max did too. He just wanted to lean against it the whole time. What they didn't realize, what she doesn't realize now, and it took Max a little while to realize, is that pulling all the time is not the fun way to ski. The enjoyment is not in stressing the reins. It's not in pulling all the time and just having somebody hold you back. Being able to have the freedom of carving and, and being loose in the straps, I guess if you would call it that, and being able to experience speeding up and slowing down and and meandering through these winding pathways. That's where the fun is. That's where the enjoyment is. That's where the blessing of it is. And in our spiritual walk, it's the same. It's not fun beating your head against the wall. In raising your kids, it's not fun for them when they're pushing the envelope with mom and dad. Because when they push the envelope, mom and dad have to shut things down and push them back. But when everybody's cooperating, when everybody's obedient, when everybody is, is working together, the blessing is that the family works. They can experience enjoyment together. They can experience blessings together. When the relationship 
is balanced, when the relationship with the Father is balanced, and we're receiving His direction, we're receiving His encouragement, we're receiving His admonition where it's necessary, and making course corrections, the walk with Him is a... Directions to where? Sorry. My watch is talking back to me. It wanted to know the directions to where. Directions to a blessing in heaven. But if we're following the directions that the Lord is giving us, it won't be a stressful walk. Like That seems like the most obvious statement that anybody could make. But our human nature is for us to push against things. Some folks, some's, some have a human nature that pushes more than others. And so our question has to be, for each one of us individually, is how obedient am I being to the Lord's direction? The answer should easily be fully obedient, completely obedient all the time, in every full measure. And we know for each of us that's not always the case. And it, sometimes it's not intentional. And sometimes it is a matter of distraction. And, you know, when I'm, that's another perfect example. I got so many skiing analogies today. This is, one of our children is very easily distracted on the slopes. And he is getting very fast. And the, the concern used to be, I would stay at the back and let everybody get down in front of me so that I could make sure that if somebody bailed or yard sailed, that I could go pick them back up. Now the struggle I'm having is some don't want to stop. And when you're on a hill that they've never been to, don't know how to get to the bottom, and some of these end up taking you to a lift that only goes to Black Diamonds, I have to yell, Max. I have to yell, Max, 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 stop, 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 to catch back up in front of them so that we can direct each other as a, you know, direct everybody back to a spot that's going to be good for all of us to ski. It's not going to be a disaster if we get up there. I don't imagine that that young man with the, the harness had too many visual distractions, obviously. But I'm sure there were other times in his life where as he's skiing, he's getting distracted and the guide is saying, left, 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 left. And you're going, why on earth could the kid not know that he just had to stay right? Well, there was something that was distracting. That happens in our lives too. We get too busy. We get too involved. We get too tired. We get too hungry, too full, too whatever. If we get too anything, a level of distraction comes in and we don't hear the direction as well as we should. We see something too beautiful and we start to veer towards that. And God says, yeah, that's great. I made that too, but I need you to go this way. That observation took longer than I thought it was going to. If there was one chapter that we could have used for this description, Psalm 121. Psalm 121 is, is eight short verses. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which maketh heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Because he, hath keepeth, because he that keepeth Israel shall never, neither slumber nor sleep. 
The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is the shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth forevermore. I don't think I appreciated that. I, didn't appreci- I don't think I appreciated the level of control. No, not control. Influence is too small a word and control is too big a word. Whatever is between influence and control. I don't think I appreciated or was able to visualize the level of interaction. I don't care, let's keep going with control. That God wants to have over our lives and has offered to have over our lives described in this verse or in these verses until watching that young man. And that the, the blessing of that is something that we all can experience. We can get the blessings and the joy and the ability to marvel at the experience of skiing like that. You get to do this amazing thing and yet have the protection and the restraint of the Lord watching over you. We can live these lives that get to experience all the blessings of heaven. And as long as we stay obedient to his direction, faithful to his calling in our lives, as as long as we stay faithful and obedient to his direction in our lives, we can continue to experience these things. And yet, we still have a propensity to pull on the reins. I think, well, Matthew eleven twenty nine 29 was another verse that, this is where it says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Uh, yeah, I should read the whole thing. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I was having a conversation with Ethan this week about how I am not the best at memorizing verses. And Ethan, you can see now why that is a big problem. Takes too long. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I need to remind myself. I need to remind myself that if I feel the pressure, if I feel the, 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 uh, the yank of some kind of burden, that it's because of my actions against God's direction. A pull back to the center of where he wants me is not my punishment, it is my blessing of being his child. It's being a, it is the blessing of being under his shepherdship, under his guidance, under his grace. The last, the last observation. Um, the last observation, well, yeah, I'll just make this the last one. The other one was just humorous. I had to think about, one, for this young man, I, I had a bit of sadness. Because I had to think, when he gets to the top of the hill, the, what is the first thing we all do? Is, is, is look around. 
and see how beautiful this is. How incredibly beautiful this is. I think my kids probably got so tired of me saying, as we're going up the hill, wait a second, now listen, just if, if you stand right here, you can see whiteface from here. I must have said it 20 times. Or go look at this. When, when you get to the top of the gondola, we're going to ski down, and then you can see the summit. And then as you take that quad chair up to the summit that honestly feels like it's going at an 80-degree angle, and you're looking around going, I can't believe we get to ski. I can't believe we get to see this. I had to think that that young man does not have that experience. He gets, to, he gets to use every one of his other senses to experience this hill, experience this mountain, experience this time together. But he doesn't get to see it. And the verse that came to mind, I, I, I won't read the version of it in Isaiah because it's actually not as poetic as it is in 1 Corinthians 2. First Corinthians two nine. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. I, the, that was the one thing that I've always I remember I think it was Fanny Crosby actually that said it. That they asked her um, somebody that one of the Odyssey people could tell me. I'm pretty sure it's Fanny Crosby. Somebody asked her if she was ever sad that she was not able to see, that she was never able to see, as far as I recall. And the answer that she gave was, she said, no, I've never, I've never been sad about that because I know that the first thing that I will be able to see is the face of my Savior. The first thing I'll be able to see is the face of my Savior. And so as beautiful as that experience is and as impressive as it is and as much as I love those vistas and even, boy, even skiing at Song and looking down and seeing Otisco as you come around the bend, like as much as I love that and think that is one of the most beautiful things you can ever see. One blessing that that young man has is that the first experience that he can make is going to be able to see the face of his Savior. And the things that God has prepared for him and for all of us, he'll be able to, he probably can appreciate in a measure that I can't because my experience here below is tainted with all of the other ugly things I've seen. Or the beauty that I can imagine is kind of limited by the beauty that I've seen. But if you, can only, if, if you could only imagine something beautiful, how limitless would that be? And I would imagine God's given him a blessing of being able to be able to imagine far more than I can. I pray that this disjointed thoughts um, could be gathered together as the Lord would see fit and pray that he'd add a blessing.